0: Um, Guys, first off, yes, obviously, Ben, thanks for being so kind, man. He, he speaks too much of that. Um, I'm grateful for you guys because I'm a high school minister up in Plainfield, right? So not too far away, about an hour. And we've had some of our students come here to the campus house. Is that what you want to call it? Campus house? Um, And and be a part of your ministry. You've taken them in with open arms. You've welcomed them. They've been a great part for it. So thank you guys so much for being a blessing to us and to our families. I really appreciate that. Um, I want to start off tonight, and I want to show you a picture. You're going to see it on the screen, hopefully. Anybody know what this is? If you say old people with a wagon, yes, you're correct. But that's not really what we're going for here. Um, Any guesses whatsoever? If you got this, I would be very impressed. Doesn't doesn't really matter. this is Secret Service. Now, here's the thing. You guys ever seen a show called Is It Cake? You ever seen that show? First off, I do not recommend that show. That's If you love it, you love it. My kids love it. It drives me bonkers. But the idea is very similar. It's like, hey, you find something and, oh, is this cake or is it real? And then they cut it with a knife and you get the idea. Um The reason I'm saying that is because when it came to the Secret Service, I was interested to see the behind the scenes of how it originated. Okay, let's start with that. How it originated. And what they said was by the end of the Civil War, nearly one-third of all the currency at the time was counterfeit. And the way that w- what was happening was the South, the Confederate troops and the Confederate people, were making counterfeit money and pumping it into the North to destabilize the economy. Hitler tried the same tactics in World War II. Didn't work, but that was, that was the idea. Pump it and make the, the economy somewhat almost collapse. So the, the country's financial stability was in jeopardy. To address this concern, the Secret Service was established in 1865. All right? It wasn't until the assassination of McKinley that it actually became like this. I mean, bodyguards, now, I mean, in our day, that's not going to really do much. Like, oh, we got gotcha. you. But anyways, you get the idea, okay? So here's what, this led me down a rabbit hole. And I'm going to share that rabbit hole. There you go. Um, I wanted to know, how could you tell if money is counterfeit? That's what I wanted to go with. So stay with me on this because I think it might intrigue you. Maybe it won't, but we'll try this. Um, They said, and there's this guy got on there from the secret service on a YouTube video because you can trust that. And so he's getting on there and he's describing all the different steps when it comes to currency and things you can look for. And he said, some of this is lock and key. You'll never know. You'll never be able to to, to know this, and you, for good reason. But he said, here's some tests just to look at. All right, so if you took a $20 bill um, or a hundred, I don't know, are you walking around with hundreds first off? I mean, we need to be friends. But anyways, if you took a 20 or a hundred and you see the face, who's on the 20? Okay, so if you say, is that right, by the way? Because I trust you. Um, <laughs> this, does that show you how much money I have? Well, yeah. <laughs> who's on the one? Uh, anyways. So if you took Andrew Jackson, if you see his face there in the middle, if you look to the right side, what you'll see is almost like this, it looks like a watermark or an imprint of it on the side as well. So you have it right in the middle of the bill, but then to the right of it, you see a little bit more. And they said that watermark is not like a misprint or just a, it's actually ingrained in the fibers of the bill itself. That way you can't counterfeit it. It's like, whoa. Okay, so the second thing they said, the lower right corner of your 20s or 100s, they have a certain kind of ink, and it's called an optical varying ink. It changes color as the bill moves. So again, I can't just go Xerox or or copy this thing. Ah, money. You see what I'm saying? You can't, can't do that stuff. On the hundreds, and this one is cool. Go ahead and go to this. If you take a $100 bill, and if you, you see the magnifying glass, if you focus in on Ben Franklin's lapel, kind of like right here, go to that next picture, it says United States of America on it. Yeah, I know. This is, we're getting into national treasure stuff. Get ready, because we're going to start looking for it, right? So anyways, you see all these different things. Even the color of the fibers under like a black light, they glow different colors if it's genuine. So all of this to say, the Secret Service, um, they said on the video, they said that the Secret Service confiscates hundreds of thousands of dollars every week that are counterfeit. Every week. Now, I've heard that if you want to distinguish between the real deal and the fake, you really need to know what the real deal is. Because there's something that is uniquely different, something uniquely different about the real thing. So here's what I want to do. The real thing. Let's, let's go that way. Back in the 1960s, um, who's going to be my taste tester? Was that Jack? Is that you? I need you. Woo, Woo Jack! Yeah! Okay, here's what I need. Can, can I get a, you want to tie this on yourself? Just blindfold yourself. That's all I want you to do, blindfold yourself. Let's and trust me, that's big too. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, can't you can't tie, well, you want somebody to tie it for you? There we go, go get it, volunteer, volunteer, well done, good and faithful. So here's the thing, back in the 1960s, Coca-Cola, this is my wife, anybody love Coke? Coca-Cola, have to say that? Coca-Cola, yes, my wife absolutely loves this. Yeah, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola, I'll just make sure I clarify, do you love Coca-Cola? Itchy teeth. Anyways, so my wife loves this, this is her thing and they had an ad that came out they had an ad that came out it's the real thing back in the 60s authenticity was a big deal if you look actually in the 80s as well in the 80s they made a new type of coke they called it new coke and people are saying no no we like the regular and you hear of coca-cola classic okay so here's what I want to do I want to see if if our good friend Jack who cannot see over there um can guess can guess which soda we have, I, can't, you, I need another volunteer. Somebody want to help me? Yeah, come on, come on, come on. You, you, you don't get to feed him, you just get to pour it. Let's put, put that. You're not feeding here. I want you, can you just open some of these? Open for me. What we're going to do then is as we're going over, Jack, we're going to come and we're going to hand you one of, the, one of the drinks. So we're going to pour it in, we're going to hand you the drink, and then I've got these little cards, and we'll put it by what you think is the right one, okay? So you're going to take a drink, then you're going to tell me, and here's your options. Maybe you saw it when you're up here. You have Coke, Diet Coke, Coke Zero, Pepsi, and Dr. Pepper. Now, here's the thing. I put Dr. Pepper in there because I really thought there's no way he can screw this up. But I could be surprised. Okay? So we'll see what happens. All right, Yeah, Let's. I wanted to pop this one because there's something satisfying when that, you make the pop sound. It makes me want to drink these. Okay. Which one do you want to, don't say it out loud, but which one you want to take first? Just go ahead and, okay, okay, good. All right, so you're going to take, she's going to hand you one, you're going to take a drink of this, and you're going to tell me which one you think it is. Coke, Diet Coke, Coke Zero, Pepsi, and Dr. Pepper. That's fine, I get that, that's okay. There you go, get you, get you good, yeah. Okay. Your thoughts, Coke, Coke Zero, Diet Coke, Pepsi, Dr. Pepper. Yeah if you need to, Diet Coke, okay, all right, here comes your next one, next one, nothing like the real thing babe, all right here we go, yeah swish it around that's going to help, make it good and flat. Mm. All right, the drink, the thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that good, huh? Coke, Coke. you're going straight up Coke. All right, all right, so far so good. May need to switch, we'll see, that's all right. I I feel good about what you're doing here. So you have Coke Zero, Pepsi, and Dr. Pepper left on the table. The other two you've guessed at Diet Coke and Coke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dr. Pepper, Pepsi, Coke Zero. I, I'm to think wrong, right? <laughs> <laughs> the, the level of trust you have right now is diminished. Is that what you're saying? Pick one, ma'am. What do you got? Uh, you <laughs> oh, gosh, here we go. Dr. Pepper, Pepsi, Coke Zero are the ones you haven't said. Diet Coke, Coke. You have Pepsi. All right, interesting choice. I mean, there we go. There we go. Is that right? Is that where we're going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How are we feeling? I think this is Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper. Okay. Okay, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a fan of you, Jack. I just really hope you find all the frogs. And? <laughs> that is Pepsi. You're saying for sure Pepsi. So I got to switch it? My bad, my bad. Uh, it might be Pepsi. It- <laughs> Well, you could say might be for all of them. You only have Coke Zero left. Do you want to make a switch? Phone a friend. Oh, saying double Pepsi. I don't. I don't, I don't. And I'm a liar. Okay, so go ahead and take your blindfold off and see how miserably you failed. Now, um, <laughs> Come on up here, Jack, if you want to. First off, give it up for Jack for trying. I mean, that means something. But, hey, Jack, come see if you want to. These were your guesses. All right? you can come that side. You can actually see what they were. I put these two as the one you guessed for Pepsi. That was your Pepsi guess. And you had your Diet Coke, Coke. So you, okay. didn't, yep, I, you didn't get a one right. Really? Well done, Jack. <laughs> okay, this is very close. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I like how you thought I was a liar and didn't even put that one out there. So anyways, give it up for Jack one more time. Okay. All right. Here's why I'm saying that. And I think if I would have, I bet you if I had a Coke lover try these, I would be very interested afterwards. Does anybody want these, by the way? Oh, you want, do you want this? You want a, do you want a Coke or a Coke Zero or a diet? Oh, yeah, baby. It's the, oh, oh, you want to try that? Let's let's go. Whoa, bold move. Here's what I'll do. I'll leave these up. If any of you want them later, come and grab them because I don't want them. Um, But here's the thing. There's something, especially if you're a Coke lover, there's something about the real thing. Right? So I would guess for Jack, thank you for doing that, by the way, I would guess that Jack is not a Coke lover. Why? Because you couldn't taste the difference. Now, here's what I've also heard, and this is just for your benefit, is Pepsi usually wins out in taste test. The reason why is Pepsi has more sugar. So when you have a small cup, everybody loves the sugar hit. But when you drink 16 ounces of it, they can't stand it. Too much sugar. That's just a fun fact to keep that. But there's something about the real thing. And that's you, to, to identify, is it real or not, if you know it well, you can tell that this is junk. <laughs> Automatic junk. Also, I would assume this is junk. I've never... I don't... Okay, it's not as bad of junk as this is. Okay, you get the idea. Now no one wants that. Great. Um, anyways... <laughs> You can tell what the real deal, and I'm saying this because what we're looking at, you guys have Bibles? Do you have a Bible, Bible app, Bible something? Go to James 2. James is laying out there, and he's saying, we're talking about genuine. There's something that is uniquely different about the real thing. He's going to lay a question on you and me, and if you're a follower of Jesus, I don't know that all of you are, but if you're a follower of Jesus, this is a, I mean, punch you in the stomach question he throws out there, all right? This is James chapter 2, verse 14. He says this, I mean, yeah, if you're a believer, get ready. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Now, that last part, look at that line. Can, is that a saving faith? He's questioning salvation on this one. I mean, this is a huge, huge question. And maybe I should put it another way, if I, if I said it this way. James is saying, can you have a genuine faith in Jesus if nothing about your life, daily routines, and interactions changes? Can you have a legitimate, genuine, real faith if nothing about your life, any of your actions, changes? Can you have that? That's the question James is asking the believers. He sends this out as a letter to them to say, we need to wrestle with it. And he gives two examples following right after. So let's read these, all right? Two examples. The first one is a believer without clothes. It says this in first, uh, verse 15. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes... And daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. You see, they drew a distinction there between the two. You're saying one thing, but you're doing something else. You say you want them to be warm and well fed, but you're doing absolutely nothing to make that happen. So, do you really want them to be warm and well fed? He goes on. The next example, he says this Some will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there's one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So, if, if, I, if I can break it down again, if you think of just this is just an intellectual, yes, I, I believe that these are true, and that's where your faith stops, he's saying, Then that kind of faith is on par with a demon. You have the same faith as a demon if that's where it stops. If it goes no farther than words, and goes into. if it doesn't go, your faith is on the same level as a demon. Why? Think about this. Every time Jesus he exercised, right, his, as he cast out demons, what did they say? This is the Son of God. They, they knew exactly who he was. So where is your faith? And again, he's drawing that question out of you if you fall, uh, follow Jesus. And then he gives you two proofs Right after that, two people who would say, again, he's talking to a Jewish audience. He gives, here's some two big names. We're going to call them, in this case, we're calling them the patriarch and the prostitute. Right, The patriarch, he goes with Abraham. You foolish person, verse 20, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar... You see, his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see, a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Let me explain this and break this down. God, back in Genesis, had made Abraham a promise. And he said, "He said, I'm going to make you into this great nation, and I'm going to do it. I think it's in Genesis. Is it Genesis 21? Do I have that one on there? I don't know if I do. You can check. Anyways, in Genesis, he makes him a promise, and he says, your, your offspring are going to be reckoned through your son, Isaac. So, okay, here's the promise. Hold on to that promise with one hand. Okay, God, you said Isaac's the one. And then God says to him, okay, now I want you to go kill him. Wait a second. You see, we've got a problem here. And it says this. This is Hebrews. This answers the question and why. Hebrews eleven seventeen. 17. It says, By faith, Abraham, when tested, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son. And even though God had said, It's through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned. Look at this. Abraham reasoned that God could raise him from the dead. Now look, here's, here's what he's trying to draw on. Is Abraham believed God's promise, and he also believed that God could bring him back to to, to life after being dead. So he said, okay, I can sacrifice him. I trust you. And the way you know it's genuine is because he acted on it. If you came up to me and said, Derek, I've got this surefire bet. Draft kings, baby. Come on, let's go together. I'm going to bet on this one. I got a surefire thing, we're going to do this parlay, boom, 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 we'll make tons of money. Okay, and I say, all right, I, I, I think I'm in, but um, are you putting any money in it? And if you said, oh, no, do you think I'm going to trust you? Like, you don't have, like, why would you not go for the surefire thing if it's not so surefire? That's what he's saying. Let, let, me, let me show you a different way. We're going to skip the Rahab part. I got another game. I know you're so excited. Stand up for a second. I don't know. Yeah, stand up. Stand. I let, you know what? I love it. you stood up when I met everybody. Well done. I don't know if you can... If I stand like here, can you guys see this? Kind of? Alright, here's what I want. You guys over there, I apologize. So you can't, I, I can see you, but some. Okay? All I want you to do is simple game. I'm going to point a direction. You're going to say the direction I'm pointing. Easy? You're college students. Here we go. Good. Oh, you give yourself a hand. Okay, now here's what I want. Yeah, yeah. Low-hanging low fruit. Now what I want you to do, not say it, I want you to use both hands and point in that direction. Can you do that? Okay, here we go. Can you guys see it? Raise your hand if you can see it. There you go, good. Slow wave. Wee. Good, okay. Less. Th- this one here. Now I want you to say direction... And point direction. Easy enough? Here we go. Good. Now, this is the one that gets you. I want you to point the direction, say the opposite. Point direction, say opposite. Ready? Yeah, you already see it, right? You already see it. Let's try that again. Let's switch it. This time, I want you, I said, say the direction, point opposite. Say direction, point opposite. You ready? Say direction. All right, sit down. Right brain, left brain, it's easy. Take it, use it on your friends. Now here, here's why I do the game. I just want this idea to stick with you. What James is doing, James is highlighting the inconsistencies his whole book is like a flashlight on your faith. And he's saying, you know what happens when, when, when all of a sudden your words do not match your actions? What just happened there? Everybody gets confused. When your words do not match your actions, it leads to confusion. And you've known this. Because what happened? if you've been in the church or in that church world for a long time, it doesn't even matter if it's there or not. You say you follow Jesus, but you're doing something that is a blatant He's commanded you not to. You say that you're an IU fan, but when they are awful, you abandon ship. No, I'm just kidding. I'm a Purdue guy. Don't hold that against me. Whoa, whoa. Hello, hanging fruit. Sorry. Anyways, but you get the idea. When your words do not match your actions, everybody gets Confused. So what James then does is he begins to highlight the inconsistencies. And he's basically asking this question and he's wanting everyone in this room to ask the same one. Does my life and actions reflect what I believe? Does my life and actions reflect the actual things I say, I believe? And he gives you a list. Read through, I would love for you on your own time, quiet time, read through James as a whole, or read through Matthew's Sermon on the Mount, 5, 6, and 7, chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. Read through that, and you will see in Matthew, it's Jesus' expectations of his followers. Ma- uh, James is highlighting, like I said, if you took a flashlight to brick masonry and you shone behind it, you could see The cracks that's what he's doing. What's the inconsistency? So let me give you a few. I I don't know if I have them. Do I have them on the screen? Do we have a few options up there? Yeah, there we go. These are some with James. Do you show favoritism? Are there certain people you will, even in this room, I will talk to, I won't talk to? This is the body of, if you're a believer, body of Christ. And he's saying, that should not be happening. Are you giving focused and special attention to one who, maybe they can benefit you a little bit, but not the other. Maybe it's about what you talk about. James actually says it this way. He says, out of your mouth come praises to God. And yet, with the same mouth, you curse human beings who have been made in his image. Out of the same mouth come blessings and praises and curses. How can you have salt water flowing from the same spring as fresh? You can't. And he says, that's the confusion. What are you talking about? How are you talking about other people? Or maybe the jokes that you think, oh, that's kind of funny, but you know, what are you talking about? This uh, third one, James mentions it at the end of his letter. And he says, from this one practice, if you harbor envy and selfish ambition in your heart, he says it leads to every disorder and every evil practice. How many of you guys are in Kelly? Anybody in business? Perfect. Okay. I did um, a bi- I'm, this is just a short aside. I did a Bible study for an IT company. All right? And at this I we sat down for lunch, we're eating. I'm talking to an accountant, and she said the job I had before this was awful. And I said, Well, tell me what you mean. Go with this again, keeping envy, selfish ambition in your mind. She said, they were cutthroat there, and what they did was they promoted anybody who would do anything to get ahead. She said, if I got up from my desk without locking down my computer and went to the bathroom or to the printer, she said, somebody would lean over, mess up all of my numbers, because if I look worse, they look better, and they would promote that person. Envy. Selfish ambition leads to disorder and evil. Do you have that? How about this one? I mean, number four, how do you handle anger? How do you handle, when you're angry and upset with somebody, how do you handle that? Jesus, he said this, if you get to the altar, if you're coming and you traveled from Galilee all the way to Jerusalem three days, You walked, you got there, you're getting ready to sacrifice to God. And in that moment, you realize either you have something against someone or they have something against you. He says, leave it and go the three days back to Galilee and make it right. It's more important that your relationships with one another are united and reconciled than it is for you to hit your knees and give me a sacrifice right now. So I could ask the question, maybe even in this room, again, this is all flashlight on my own faith. How are your relationships? Are you upset with somebody in this room? Do you need to go, hey, we need to meet, we need to talk one-on-one, because God's saying it is more important that you do that than it is to pray and give your devotion life to me. I want you reconciled. And you can go down the list. Lus, what are you looking at? Are you on social media? What are you doing in the privacy of your room? Who's the, the apps and what are you looking at? Go, I would say even go the other end. What pictures are you posting and taking and why are you doing that? This, this is probably my favorite one. Right here, do you keep your word? I say that because I work with college students. And here's what I will say will set you apart from every college student. If I ask you to sign up for something, and you do it, and then make sure you stay with it. You do that, and you will blow my mind. Right? I'm not trying to harp. I'm saying you want to be different, because your age, usually you have FOMO. If I sign up now, I might miss out on something later, and I'm going to wait till the day of. You know, do you keep your word? If you say you're going to do something, Joey, our middle school guy, he said he's got college-age students who come help him on Sunday. He needs them at 9.15. They show up at 9.20, maybe 9.30. They're a little bit late. Or some of them don't show up at all and let us know. Will you keep your word? Because you, you say, you follow. I need the actions with it. Now, here's what I would say. I'm going to wrap it up with this. The words you've been wanting to hear. Wrap it up. If you want a genuine faith... This is my advice. I'll give you three things and we're done. Okay? First one is this one. If you want to know if something's counterfeit or real, you you really need to know so well what the real one is. You need to know what the real one is. Let me say it this way. This is John 14, 15. Jesus says this, if you love me, keep my commands. He says it, James says it this way. Do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourself. Do what it says. Now here's the question I want for you. Is how can I do what he's commanded if I don't know what his commands are? How can I do what Jesus has commanded if I don't even know what those commands are? You need to get into his word. Know him well. I need to know the real thing. Second thing. It's a question that I think we've said, but I want to reinstate it. How are your relationships? How are your relationships? Jesus was asked this. He was asked, what are the two greatest commandments? Anybody remember those? Two great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength. This is Matthew 22. And then he said, that's the first. But the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. You do these and you fulfill all the law and the prophets. Two things. He put them so close together because what he's saying is you can't do this, love God, without doing this, loving people. So the question I would have is not only do I need to know what he's commanded, but then I would say, how are your relationships with others? Are they fractured? Is there something when this person walks in the room, I can feel it. I feel sorrow or anger. Hatred. How are your relationships? Last thing I want to say. This is the why it matters. It's the impact. When you put these two together, Jesus, he told us it would change. This is what he said Matthew 5. You who do these things are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, it can't be made salty again. It's no longer good for anything. It's like to be thrown out. Verse 14, he says, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, he says, you followers of Christ, you people who say you believe it, if you get your, your words and your actions lined up, he says that you're the light And in the same way, you let that light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify God in heaven. If this doesn't make sense, here's what I want to make sense of. When you live like Jesus, others get to see what God's like. And doesn't that make sense? Because people all throughout eternity struggled with this God who's unseen. So, what did that God do? He put on flesh, He came in flesh. So what, is he, what do you think the disciples are supposed to do? I'm supposed to put flesh on this God you can't see. And the way I do that is I follow his commands and I live like Jesus did. Because then people see and people respond and they hear the gospel and lives are changed. Let me show you an example. This is just something I experienced with a good friend and maybe I think Ben, Angie, you may know him. There's a picture on the far left side. That's a young Derek there with no hair and a he's got a lot of soul right here. Um, on the left, that's a man named Matt Nance. Matt, I went to school with. Matt and Susan, his wife, his wife's right here. That's his wife, Susan, young Derek, Matt. Matt had a desire, him and his wife had a desire to reach Muslims. They wanted to go to Syria to reach Muslims. But they couldn't get into Syria. You know why? Because Syria blew up, war spread. And here's what, all of a sudden, they couldn't go. So they went to the next nearest place they could. They went to Jordan. And I get a phone call. I'm down doing ministry in Tennessee. I get a phone call from Matt. And he's saying, you got to get somebody from the church to come over here. You're not going to believe this. I say, what's going on, man? So I have no kids at the time. I've got a passport. I fly over to Jordan. Never been here before. And here I am on the streets of Jordan with Matt Nance. And we're going house to house. And he said, here's the thing, Derek. If I would have been in Syria with my wife, Muslims would have never let me into their homes. To cross the threshold of their door, it just it wouldn't have happened. But because they're being displaced from their homes, they are. Le- and if you can imagine, if you could ju- I met so many people this way. They, um, what was going on at Syria, think of a trash bag. If you could take whatever out of your home where you're at and throw whatever belongings you wanted to keep into a trash bag within you I give you 2 minutes throw it in throw it in and then get out of your house quick because bombs and shells are going off that's what they're coming from these people ran to Jordan with nothing now remember this is Jordan that is cinder block floor actually and cinder block wall the the temperature gets down roughly at times around 40 degrees it's a very cold home they don't have many clothes they don't have beds They don't even have food. So what Matt and Susan were doing, they they took the command of Jesus to love your neighbor as yourself, seriously. They saw, like we just talked, somebody who did not have clothes and did not have food, and guess what they did? That's it. They had no, there was no bait and switch. It's no, come to accept Jesus and I'll give you clothes. It was just, I see that you have a need. Let me help you. And they started delivering mattresses and propane heaters and clothes and food and you name it, they were delivering just to simply take care of families and their kids. And here's why it changed everything. The families who had never let them in before, all of a sudden were welcoming them with open arms and nasty coffee, the most bitter stuff you've ever tasted. And then they asked a question that opened the door for the gospel. They said this, our Muslim brothers aren't doing this for us. Why are you... Why are you giving us food? With no expectation, why are you giving us clothes? And Matt said, from that one question, because I was living so counterculturally, I was living out Jesus' words, I would put it into action, I was light, I was salt. When I did that, they said, why would you do that? And he was able to tell them, because I follow Jesus. Because I take the command seriously, to love my neighbor. He told me, he told me to do it, so I'm going to do it, and that right there, changed the world. Now here's the question I have for you: Does your faith and your actions line up? Or not? And if they do, my goodness man, you guys are on IU's campus. You're on frat row. You're around all these people who may not, who are desperate for light, walking in a dark place. Man, if that happens, let me pray for you. God, I am thankful for the opportunity to honestly be here, to go through your word and to to honestly think through the questions myself about my own faith. Does my life reflect the things I say, I believe, even teach on? I pray, God, that they do. But, Lord, if I'm out of line, then help correct me. Help me to be the real deal, because that changes things. Lord, I love you. Bless everyone in this room, and I pray God you'd make them light in a dark place. We love you, Father. It's in Your Son's name. Amen. If I can get worship team, come on up, and let's finish. We got a song to to sing. Let's finish singing to God who's great. Let's stand and sing.